0: Now, today I stand before you as an humbled pastor. All right, no snorting. Today I stand before you as an humble pastor. For many years, it has been said that the official bird of ministry has been chicken. But that's not really true. Today I stand before you as a pastor and I'm eating crow. I told our beloved sister, Faye, two weeks ago, and I didn't do this last Sunday because of Fun Day. And I said, Faye, if Virginia Tech wins, you've got to dress in Tech colors. If West Virginia wins that football game, I will preach in West Virginia apparel. Today I eat crow. And I humble myself before the Lord... And before Fay, it cost me eleven dollars eighty two cents. Eleven dollars and eighty two. Actually, with taxes, it was twelve oh nine. I think uh, it cost me stopping at every store. We have been in leadership. We have been in leadership summit uh, the majority of the week last week, or the end of the part of the last week. We have been in leadership summit in Kingsport, Tennessee. And uh, on our way home from Kingsport yesterday, we stopped at every, uh we stopped, my father, my former father-in-law, he used, uh my late wife's dad, he called them rag stores. We stopped at every rag store, I think, between here and Kingsport. And I couldn't even find one of these things. Nobody wants them. <laughs> so I had to drive early and I was late. I was late for uh a band rehearsal this morning and it really stressed me i had to drive to bluefield walmart just to find anybody that even had one of these but i did because i love Faye, and i'm a man of, i I, my, I desire to be a man of my word and this has been very hard for me today i want you to know that but we'll get through it but i did not wear socks it's all good to laugh. It's good to laugh. The scripture says that laughter is, is good just like medicine. But, but I do want to welcome you all home. And no, I don't mind doing this for faith because I do it for any of you all because we love you guys. Uh, I want to welcome you home to voice of praise. And as we go forward in this service, I want you to turn your Bibles to the book of Acts. Wednesday nights, we are still gathering here. Wednesday night service, midweek service. We're still gathering at 6.30. Youth, youth are going directly to their session at 6.30. In here in the sanctuary, we are gathering, uh, from 6.30 and from about, uh, you know, 6.30 by the time we get started, uh, we take about, probably about 6.35, 6.40, and we take that next 20 to 25 minutes for prayer. Uh, we just assume, uh, a, a place of prayer and, And nobody has to stand up and and lead in prayer. We just come together, corporate atmosphere, and enter into the presence of the Lord in prayer and intercession. As we were praying here Wednesday night, the Lord impressed this message upon my heart. I'd been thinking along some other lines for this morning. But as as I knelt in prayer, it's just like the Lord, I'd already touched on this thought in previous services, but if the Lord really brought this to my attention, brought it into my spirit. Acts chapter three, verse one through six is a very familiar verse of scripture. Most of us have heard about it. Maybe you've heard it preached on multiple times before. Uh, and perhaps there's many different angles that it could be preached from and all of those angles be uh, perfectly uh, correct and in line. But uh, I hope that the word that the Lord has given me for you today blesses you, whether you're here in the sanctuary or whether you're at home uh, or wherever you could be watching by live stream. It's my desire that the word of the Lord blesses you this morning and it's my desire that I can bring this word forth in the way that the Lord has, has put it into my spirit. So if you will turn to Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. It was at about 3 in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth, lame from birth, was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day... To beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. That's very critical. The man was expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And if you're reading the King James, it says, rise up and walk. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Nazareth rise up and walk. Now, as I preached to you this morning... I want to preach to you, beginning with laying a foundation on the presumption that there are two different types of people that exist. And in this presumption, I know that it's not absolutely correct, and it's not, if you would, a permanent assumption by any means. But I do want you, for the time being, to go with me in this presumption that there are two kind of people that exist. Those two kinds of people are either givers or takers. Givers or takers. What can I do for you? Another guy's saying, oh, what can I take from this guy? There's either givers or takers. There's those that, those that give or there's those that take. The givers we tend to think of as being generous uh doesn't really matter if they have much or little they're generous you see sometimes we put uh we put qualifications on being able to to be generous we put qualifications on, we, uh, you know, the, the scripture, sometimes we take that scripture totally out of context. Pete, some people will take it out of context and say, the love of money is the root of all evil. The scripture, or that money is the root of all evil. The scripture doesn't say money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. And you don't have to have money to love money. In fact, most of the time you find it just opposite. The people that love it the most are the people that don't have it. So sometimes we we begin to think about generosity and don't... This is not a message on tithing, by the way. It's not a message even on... Necessarily on stewardship. But sometimes those that are givers that are the most generous, it doesn't, it's not a factor about how much or how little they have. They're just people that are, that are liberal and generous and I hate to use that term liberal, but I'm just referring to giving of their substance. The takers, on the other hand, are those that are seemingly always in need. They are the people that persistently perceive themselves as needing something or having to have something and, and wanting something or desiring something. And they're willing to receive it. Um, the fact is that giving is the act of distributing something and Taking in the, is found in the attitude of consumption, if you would. The fact of the matter is that at any given moment of time, any given season of life, any, 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 any episode that we find ourselves in, in, in this, in this whole arena of life, you and I can find ourselves on either side of this equation. There, there's times in life where we find ourselves in circumstance that, that we're very much givers and we're, and we're giving and, and we're distributing generously, whether it be wealth or whether it be our time, our talents or encouragement, we can find ourselves being people that are giving. And then there's other times in life that we can find ourselves being recipients. We can find ourselves uh, every once in a while I'll find myself in a pity party. I don't know about you, uh, but I find myself in a pity party. And during those moments of pity party, it's when I, I, I want I want somebody to come. I want we, this morning in in the life group over in the fellowship hall. We were we begin. Uh, we begin in our, in our topical discussion. We've been discussing angels and the work of angels in the kingdom of God. And sometimes I find myself feeling like Jesus was in, uh, at the end of the temptation in the wilderness. I need some angels to come down and minister to me. I need to, somebody to pat me on the back or Rub me on the head, or or something or another. I need I need somebody to 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 give to me. I need somebody at, at any given moment of time. I find myself being on either side of this fence. I can find myself as a giver, or I can find myself as a taker. While being a consumer brings uh, neither a, a spiritual or a moral indictment against any of us, I find that. The Scripture provides us with a principle, if you would, that I'm going to refer to this morning as the flow principle. You see, what, what where we can err in all of this is, especially on the side of being a recipient or a taker, is that if we're not careful, we can become such consumers. Uh, I, I've never watched a whole lot of it. Uh, but I have seen an episode or two. Have any of you all ever saw that reality show? I guess it's still on TV called Hoarders. You ever seen that? Have any of you all ever been on Hoarders? Don't raise your hand. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, you know, I could, I've almost thought about when I go out and look at my dad's place and he was 90 years old and my dad collected a lot of stuff. I thought, wonder if I could get on that TV show. But, but we can collect and we can collect and we can collect so much. We can accumulate so much. But, but that's not exactly, there's nothing wrong with collecting. But what, the, what I'm referring to here in the flow principle is God did not intend for us to be consumers or collectors, if you would, are absorbing, absorbing and absorbing without distributing. When we read the scripture, we find some examples there. When I read the book of John chapter 7 and verse 38, reading from the New King James version, I find that the scripture says, Jesus said this, who believes, he who believes in me as the scripture has said, he who believes in me as the scripture says to believe in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water I think the King James wording there says out of his belly shall flow rivers of of living water Now, I I happen to, not I don't claim to be real intelligent, but I happen to know that a creek and a river or a a brook or a a stream or a, a branch, whatever you want to call it, I happen to know that the water in those bodies, that it flows, it's continually flowing, it moves. I also understand that if you find a pond, a pond is... Usually still water. It usually, there's a, there's a flow coming in, but there's not a flow coming out. And I've never found a brook or a creek or a river that is all green and has that slimy stuff growing on top. But yet, it's, you don't have to look too far to find a pond that has become stale and stagnant and it's turned green in fact one gentleman that that uh he's now passed on bless his heart but but he was uh he was he was very very well versed in agriculture and he actually got a uh, he obtained a grant from the federal government that paid him to bring in a bulldozer and bulldoze every one of his ponds shut because ponds tend to be stagnant and the quality of water is not as good and it draws mosquitoes and other insects and things that that are known to spread disease. So he destroyed all of his ponds on the pretense that ponds were not healthy and he turned around and he dug uh, wells, if you would, that had a continual flow of water and his livestock lived and thrived off of That flow of water and his livestock supposedly, expectedly, were healthier and better animals because they had a fresh flow of water. So if we are constantly recipients, if we are constantly takers, sometimes we are going to be. I've already established that, I hope. Uh, sometimes we're going to be recipients. We're going to be takers. Of course, for there to be a flow, there has to be an influx before there can be an outflux. But, but what I'm saying to you is the outflux must exist or we're stagnant. And we're green. And we're slimy. And that yucky stuff is growing over top of our lives. John said again, he who believes in me, and Jesus said in John, I shouldn't say, he who believes in me as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Jesus went on later in John in chapter 14 to say, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do he will do also and greater works than these uh, shall he do because I go to the Father. So you see, we're not just just not here to receive all of the blessings of God, but yet we're here to receive the blessings and then to redistribute them to everyone in every place we come in contact with. Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus in chapter 2 and verse 10 of Ephesians. He said, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God has prepared something for every single one of us to do. Now what He's prepared for me may be a little bit different than you and vice versa. Of course, we're all unique and and God has set up for us to do uh different things in life. There's different people that you will touch that I will never reach. There's different circumstances that you will come in contact with that I will never see. But God has given each of us specific works to do. He has a plan for you. He has a plan for me. But in that, we receive His equipping by but we must be willing to distribute it. Now, granted, we don't escape that need of being uh, that necessity of being a consumer of God's goodness. But we're we're likewise charged with distributing that same goodness. You see, Peter and John had been consumers as well. In fact, you study Scripture and you'll find out after this point that Peter and John had their. Episodes, they're moments of being consumers. the The reality of it is, we are consumers and distributors both at the same time. You know, some of the wealthiest portions of business in America right now are those that are typically in in the business world that are called the middleman. Did you know the farmers are the farmers are not the one making all of the money. In fact, I heard a story the other day. They said that, the how how many tractor owners do we have in the room? We got a few tractor owners. Yeah, we got a few. I heard that the new John Deere tractors came with no steering wheel and no seat. They said the reason why is that the farmers had lost their tail and they didn't know which way to turn. Now whether that's true or not, I don't know. But the reality of it is, uh, uh, my, what knowledge I have of it, and I have a lot of people, uh, a lot of my, my acquaintances and friends that are in full time agriculture farming, as we call it business, and and they are they are not the ones making the money. It's the people in the middle that are really making the money in the agriculture business, and they are they are bringing it in as consumers, and they're sending it out as distributors. You see, they're doing both. And and with you and I, we can't do one without the other and really be effective in the servanthood of, of God, in being Christians if we would. Because if we are Christians, then we are servants. Or we are in the servanthood of the kingdom. We must take in, but at the same time, we must pour out. For out of our bellies shall flow rivers of living water. Peter and John had been consumers just a couple days. Before this occurrence happened that we read about in the text this morning A couple days prior to this day You see, Peter and John were at a place in the center of Jerusalem Up on top of a hill And as they were up on top of that hill They had been there and tarried there many days With about 118 or so other people And they had waited there on a Spirit promise, I have outpouring of the Holy Spirit to occur, which resulted in spontaneous worship and spontaneous uh, uh, administration gifts of the Spirit, but it also resulted in spontaneously, as soon as uh, practically as Peter received the Holy Spirit, we find that he stepped out onto the streets on that hill, and he began to Proclaim a gospel message. And he said this is not what you think. These people. We are not drunk as you think. But this is what was prophesied. By the prophet Joel. That in the last days. That the spirit of Christ. The Holy Ghost. Will be poured out upon all flesh. And he began to proclaim that message. He consumed and he poured out. All within just a, a moments of each other practically. Or at least minimally within hours of each other. He began to pour this out. He received it and he distributed it. He received it and he distributed it. And in doing so we find that 3,000 souls were saved in that very day. But had Peter tried to contain what he had received there is a great likelihood that no one would have been saved. Peter could have packed up, Peter and John could have packed up and left and said, oh man, we got us a blessing. Can I, can I, hey listen, this is Eat Crow Day, I've got my West Virginia shirt on. It's not really mine, it's just temporary. But you know, the reality of it, you know, and and I've been guilty of it just as much as probably many of you, I don't say, I don't go get my blessing. I don't get my, you know what, I I don't, if I begin to look at it as my blessing, you know, because I get my blessing, my blessing should not be my blessing. If I get a blessing, it should be your blessing. You follow what I'm saying? If I get a blessing, I should bless you in my blessing. Peter and John got their blessing up on top of the hill in Jerusalem at at the upper room, as it's called, which is uh, in its existence as it is right now is nothing more than a huge glorified gazebo. And he got the blessing of the Lord in that gazebo and he immediately began to let it flow out. But now it's two days later. Now these two guys are on their way to the temple. The temple's a busy place. They're going there for afternoon prayer. Hey, couldn't you just imagine that, that you went to church every, six days a week because on the Sabbath they didn't? Couldn't you imagine that they go to the church six days a week, a few times a day to pray? You know, we do good getting people here for an hour on Sunday, don't we? <laughs> Hello. We, we do good to get a, 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 few hands, another small handful back on Wednesday. Couldn't you imagine that you gather that church every day of the week just to go pray? Can't you imagine that? Oh Lord, Pastor, I just don't have time for that. That's a different message, okay? I won't go, I'll, I'll leave that rabbit to run out in the bushes by itself, you know. But, but here's the thing. They were going to the temple. It was a busy spot. The, you see, the temple in that day was, was, Almost like a marketplace, if you would. As you let, as you went into the temple, as you begin to get into the neighborhood of the temple, there were probably people there buying and selling stuff and, and, and bartering stuff. There was probably even even circus side show acts, if you would, as it was in that day. There were merchants trading goods, uh, there, there, and there were beggars there. There was no there was no system of social services such as we know as a country here in America. There there and and people when they had needs they would they would go to this place. They would go to the the the, the metropolitan areas and and the largest gathering place, if not the largest, one of the largest gathering places of that day was in the temple right there in the city of Jerusalem, the metropolis, the major city of its time. And, and people that were sick and people that were in need and people that were blind and people that were beggars and, and, and maybe even a maybe even a few people that were crooks were there begging, pretending like they were blind. Of pretending they were laying. They were there and they were begging. That was their livelihood. They had their little cardboard signs up like the guys we saw yesterday out at the mall at Bristol saying, I, you know, unemployed uh, or, you know, disabled. And I thought, "How?" Sarah said, how can this guy that's disabled stand here on this pavement all day long with that sign? I said, I don't know. But there, but the atmosphere was an atmosphere like that if you, if you, if I've painted that picture good enough for you, I hope. This has been going on for years. This has been happening throughout time. So this lame man was put there as a consumer. He's put there. This layman, man, over 40 years old, all of his life, and maybe rightfully so, he was taught to be a consumer. Sometimes you and I have been taught and trained to be consumers. Sometimes you and I have been been, been indoctrinated with with that philosophy, uh, even in church that it, church is all about receiving something for me, receiving something for myself, or what do I? Get out of it. This layman, man, uh, his survivorhood rested upon being put in front of this gate several days a week, receiving of the the givers, the givers that were walking away, the givers that were expressing their with their generosity, and apparently they've been doing this for years. This man has survived being laid there, and he's he's been put there every day. Somebody is carrying him, somebody is is hauling him there. He's over forty years old, so we can assume that it's been at least going on for twenty five years, or probably or perhaps even more than that. But today is going to be different. Because today, this man that is taught to be a consumer is sitting there, and he's got his cardboard sign up, and and he's borrowed a sharpie off of somebody, and he's and he's asking for donations on his cardboard sign, and and he's got a, perhaps a little cup that he's holding out, and he's expecting to be a recipient because he is a consumer, even though he is. uh Probably deserving in some sense because he is a cripple. He is there with an expectation that his, his life of consumerism will go on. He is going to continue to be a taker from the givers. But today is about to be different. Today is about to be different because this man... That is there with the confident that he is going to be a recipient. Confident that he is a consumer. He went there every day because he found it to be a place that worked for him. But the commodity that he is to receive today is going to be like unlike any commodity that he's ever received before in his life. You see, sometimes you and I are so used to receiving the same old thing. Every day, And we fail to realize God has something that he wants to give us that is unlike every, anything we've ever received before. So now this man, this man that's there to be a recipient, this man that is there with the intentions of his immediate need being met. You see, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me about that, is sometimes we only, we only look to our immediate need. We only look to what is right in front of us. When God has a much greater plan for us than just what's right in front of us. You know? I, I, most of the time we just think about, right now we're just thinking about, I hope he finishes up quicker than he's been moving along to this point or I'm never going to get into Cracker Barrel. We, we begin to think about that immediate need being mad. And I got AK over here, AK's over here looking at his watch now. What worried me? He was doing this a minute ago, you know. No, he wasn't. I'm just kidding. He's chick. But the immediate need wasn't what these two guys had in mind. And understand this, although yes, it is important, but the immediate need is not specifically what God has in mind for you and I. God has a great He has far greater plans for us than just the immediate need. He's not fretting about the immediate need. He's not worried about how you're going to get through the line at Cracker Barrel. He, God, it's not a worry for God how you're going to get the car payment in by the end of the month. It's not a worry for God how you're whether or not you're going to get through whatever you're going through in this coming week in these next few days. Is he attentive to that? Yes, he is. Don't misunderstand me. But what God I'm saying to you is The immediate need that's all the further that this guy could think about but that wasn't on what was those two minds we know this story we know that Peter stood stood and looked at this guy and he told him I I don't have anything to drop in your cup I have no silver I have no gold but we know that in the end result what Peter had to give to this man was more met more so than the immediate need because this man rose up and began to walk and leap to his feet. So what could all of this be? People begin asking questions. They knew this guy. They knew this guy had been crippled. Some of them had known him since he was a little boy. They knew all of his life. He wasn't a faker. He was there and they had actually, some of these people had even gift to him throughout the years. They were generous to him. He was a recipient. He blessed his heart. He needed help. They had gift to him. He was receiving help. But now they're seeing this guy has received an impartation that not only met the immediate need, but all of a sudden he's able... Let me tell you, if he is able to get up and jump and run and dance, I bet you this guy went out and got him a job. I bet you he began to... It was a blessing that he began to tend for his family and tend to his family and provide for them. And... So people begin to ask why, and Peter being the guy that he was, took on the obligation to explain. And every time Peter explains something, it gets Peter in trouble. And Peter ends up, if you read this out, you Peter ends up, he and John, and I bet John, by the time that night was over, John says, Peter, I'm not going anywhere with you anymore. Every time I do, we end up in jail. Peter begins to explain and expound upon the message of Jesus Christ and even begins to tell them about this is the Jesus that you all crucified and intended to leave him for dead. But he is risen from the grave and he is now seated at the right hand of the father and he begins to proclaim the name of Jesus. So that's the essence of what happened. Peter and John distributed what they had received a couple days prior to. They received it on that hill in Jerusalem and that what they had received was an endowment of power. An endowment of power that had been obtained by faith. You see, because Jesus had told them, I need you to go to Jerusalem and I need you to tarry there and I need you to pray. It took some faith to do that. It took some faith to do that. You see, faith, as we know in the Hebrew definition, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Sometimes God calls us to things that we don't see, we can't touch, we can't feel, we can't hear, or we can't taste, or any of those things. But God is still saying, you need to go, you need to go do, you need to respond. And then, all of a sudden, God shows up. Faith didn't occur in the next five minutes after God spoke those words to, uh, I need you to go tarry. No, 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 no. It it took several days. It took some intense days. It took some time, not only of faith, but it took took an operation of obedience. They had to do it Jesus' way. You see, sometimes, sometimes we can get some faith going on, and and we believe God for something, but we want God to do it our way. But if we're don't if we don't believe God for something, if we don't receive that impartation in order that we can give it away, we not only have to have faith, but we also have to do it Jesus way. If you don't do it Jesus way. It's never gonna be, it's never gonna to come to fruition. It's never gonna happen. Not only do we have to have faith, not only do we have to be obedient and do it in Jesus' way, we have to be persistently patient. They tarried. They had to wait upon the Lord. God's timing is not your timing. God's timing is not my timing. God's seasons are not your seasons. God's seasons are not my seasons. But here's the thing about it. He holds the times and and the seasons. They belong to Him. They do not belong to us. We have to allow ourselves to have such faith, such obedience in Him, that we'll tarry and allow Him to hold the times and seasons in His hand. And then, fourthly, What happens, I forgot to change my slide, I got busy. Fourthly, what happens is we have a revelation of kingdom purpose. You see, it didn't take Peter long. As suddenly as he was filled with the Holy Ghost, he suddenly began to get up and preach that message on the day of Pentecost, and th- more than three thousand souls were saved that day. Suddenly, he's he he uh, that that Pentecostal experience just doesn't this doesn't expire. It doesn't leave him. Perhaps he went back to prayer. Perhaps he's refilled. We don't know for sure in that, but we find out that Peter goes down the road with John two days. Later, and he's walking up to the temple to go in to pray, and he runs across this guy that's been lame for more than 40 years. He's been out there begging, he's been waiting on people to give, he's been a taker all of his life. And suddenly Peter distributes what he has into this guy, and the next thing you know, this guy is jumping up and he's dancing and he's leaping and he's praising God. Everybody wants to know what's going on. Peter tells them what's going on, and he ends up in jail, and from there the gospel message continues to grow because it's all about kingdom purpose. But here's what I want to leave you with. A giver can never give what they don't have. And a taker can never receive what's available. You, If you and I encounter somebody that are takers, and we do. Sometimes we are the takers. You and I, mo- most of the time, in fact, I, and I, I'll quantify this, you know, there's two, there are really, there are literally two kind of people in the world. The people that are saved and the people that are not saved. When we find people in the world that are unsaved, those people may have everything, everything in the world, but those people are still takers. If we don't have something to give them, we can't help them. So you can never give away what you don't have. You can never give away what you don't have. You can you can you can never bless somebody. I, if you if you came to me and to put it down in in, in dollars and cents, if you came to me and you said, hey. Ak comes over to me and he says, "Hey preacher, I need a hundred dollars. I got to buy. I forgot it's my wife's anniversary, and I got to buy her something. I need a hundred. One hundred dollars cover it. No, she's hurting. She's hurting. All of if he, can't, he said, "Hey preacher, I need to borrow a hundred dollars. Can you leave me a hundred dollars? It's mine and Sue's anniversary." And I said, "Sure, I'll let you borrow a hundred dollars." Ak he said, "All right." I said, "Oh, I don't have a hundred dollars." I may have told him I met his need, but I can't meet his need. You see, when people, when we encounter people, when we come in, as we go through life and we encounter people and we encounter people that are takers, there are people in need every single day. If people, we meet people that are in need, people that are takers. Listen. Silver and gold, Peter and John said, we don't have silver and gold. We don't have any jingle to to drop in your cup. He, He was waiting to hear that clank of the coins as it was dropped in the cup. We don't have any paper money to throw at you. But what we do have, we give to you. Now, we're saying to you, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And that man, they reached out and lifted him to his feet. And his ankles strengthened. And he began to dance. And he began to leap and he began to praise God. They only could do that because they had what they attempted to distribute. You and I can't give what we don't have. But here's where we're at this morning. Try to land this plane. So here's where we're at. We, We can't give away what we don't have. I want you to understand with me this morning, as as perilous as our times look right now, and down through history, I'm talking about through ancient history, the world's been through some pretty perilous times before. Do I believe that Jesus' coming is nigh? I do. I really do. But the world's been through some tough times before. And it's during those difficult times, it's during those tough times, it's during those perilous times that the church has arisen out of the ashes. And the church has been, listen, bad times spawn great revivals. Bad times will spawn, tough times will spawn great revivals. Right now in front of us, before our very eyes, there is our hour. That the church is in right now, that it's up to us to be givers. Now I'm not talking just about food banks and clothing closets and things like that. I had a fellow that's called a few times here to church, and and he called me. He called a few days ago, and I answered the phone. He said, "Hey, I want you to bring me $500 cash up here." I said, "Sorry, can't do that. That's not that's not sound stewardship." And I gave him some directions for some things that he needed in life and, and, uh, uh, there's, you know, sent him, send him to Union Mission, put him in contact with them. And it's not that we don't want to help them, but, you know, we, that's just the structure that we're operating under. I can't, we can't just distribute out the money to everybody that asks money and, and we don't have a food bank here and we don't have a clothing closet, but we do invest in other agencies that do. But I'm talking about more than food banks. I'm talking about more than clothing closets. I'm talking about, and those things are good. They're right in their in, in their own respect. I'm talking about more than kids' backpack programs. All that stuff's good, and it's right, and we support that as well. But what I'm talking about is there, there is a world full of takers right now. And we can, we can give them a lot of things like that, a lot of the material things. But what we need to be as a church is being able to distribute the power and the authority of God in a hurting world. A world of people is lying in front of us right now, whether we can see them or not. They're lying out in front of us, and they're waving their cup, and they're holding up their cardboard sign. They are lame, they are blind, and they are deaf. And they may seemingly have it all together in life, some of them, but they're still lame, they're blind, and they're deaf. And they're holding up a sign, and they're waving a cup, and it's up to us... To answer their question. They're begging for help. They're asking for help. But what are we going to give them? Are we going to give them, you know, you know, again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not degrading any of those ministries of of clothing and food and all like that. I think all those things are good and worthy and I think they they have importance. But you know what? We can we could feed somebody three meals a day and fatten them up, but if we don't empower the power of the Holy Spirit into their life, all we'll do is fatten them up to go and spend eternity in hell. Our responsibility, our primary responsibility is to impart the power of the Holy Spirit into the lives. We can't give away what we don't have. So here's what I want you to do. Just before, just before takeoff, I want you to think that some of you maybe not have, maybe in this room and you've never flown in a jet airplane before. But when you get on a commercial airline flight, they, that, they, here's, here's the good thing that happens. If Who's never flown in here before? Some of you have never flown? Okay, those of you never been on an airplane before, this is going to really help you. Plus, when you get on that plane and they shut that door and you hear it, <laughs> suck shut, and, and, and you're on that plane, then all these little men and women get out. And they're always usually real skinny because there's not a lot of room on those airplanes. And they get out and they have all this little stuff. And they begin to tell you things like, in the unlikely case of a crash, here's what you do. They show you how to buckle your seatbelt and how to unbuckle your seatbelt. If it's it's a crash over the water... There is a flotation device or use the bottom of your seat for a flotation device. That's real comforting to know that if you crash in a huge airplane with 250 other people over the ocean that your seat cushion is a flotation device. And then they tell you about the vest. You know, you got that vest you can put on and if you, and if you pull it, it it's supposed to inflate, but if it doesn't inflate then it's got a hose. And after you done busted the water wide open from uh, 10,000 feet, you don't blow that thing up. And then it's got a little light that comes on and flashes so somebody can find you before the sharks eat you. Okay? But then they go into this part. They said, in the unlikely the that the cabin will lose pressure, oxygen mask will fall from above you. Now, if you are there and you're with an elderly person or a sick person or a child, here's what you do. You put your oxygen mask on first, then you help the person beside of you. I really couldn't figure that out for a little while. I thought, well, why wouldn't you help an elderly person or a child first? First. Why wouldn't you do that first and then worry about getting your your zone? And their logic behind that, their reasoning behind that, for safety is concerned, is that that you can't help anybody else if you don't first you got you got to take care of getting yours on, and then once you've got yours on, then you can begin to help other people with what they need. See, you and I, we can't give away what we don't have. We can't distribute. We can't, we can't be out of, our, out of our... If out of our bellies there are not rivers of living water flowing, we can't flow into somebody else's life. You can't bless somebody else's life if you're not living in the blessing yourself. We can give a lot of stuff away. We can give money away. We can give a lot of stuff away. But the most important thing that we can impart to anybody is to impart the Spirit of God. Peter and John... We don't have silver. We don't have gold. We're just poor boys. We don't give up everything, that we have. But here's a guy that that is 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 in dire straits. He has been this way for forty years. He has known nothing else in life but to be a taker. And suddenly, on this day, two guys that are flat broke, they're busted, turn around to him and they give him everything he needs. Can't give away what we don't have. If you're here in this room this morning and you and you're not saved, I can promise you, in the spirit, in the light of spirituality, you can't give away what you don't have. And if you're not saved, you're apart from the Spirit of God. If you're in this room and you're backslidden and you've and you've separated yourself from the Spirit of God, you can't give away what you don't have. I talked to a backslidden preacher not long ago and that backslidden preacher and he, he admits that he's a backslidden preacher and he tells how people come to him for, for, uh, for things, for impartation and spiritual advice. He said, I, he said, man, I still pray with him and I still talk to him and all. He can't give away what he doesn't have. You and I can't give away what we don't have, but what we do have, but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ in Nazareth, rise up and walk. When we have our hearts and our minds in tune with God, when we've been at the upper room and the Spirit has been poured out, we can stand up and preach on that day. Two days later, we can still be pouring it out on people just like Peter and John did. When we have that experience in our life, we've come from being the consumer into being the distributor, the giver. So I want to ask you a question this morning, whether you're in this room or whether you're watching. Are you in the position of consuming? Are you in the position of giving this morning? The reality, if our hearts are right with God and we're filled with the Spirit, we actually are in the In both frames of mind. We're receiving from God. But we're distributing it into every place we go. Every encounter we have. Every encounter we make. We're distributing God's power. His love. His might. His strength. His healing. Everything that we have. Because out of your bellies shall flow rivers of living water. I want you to stand to your feet right now. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to ask you a very important question. If you're if you're in this room and you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've never been saved. You've ne- you don't know that salvation experience. Or if you're in this room and you're backslidden, you've wandered far away from God. Your experience has has grown cold. It has grown null and it's void. You can't give anything to anybody. I love you. I appreciate you. But you can't give away what you don't have. But if you're in this room and you need to be saved. Or you need to renew your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. Without anybody looking around. I just want you to slip up your hand. And I bring no embarrassment your way. But to say, Pastor, pray for me. Is there anybody in this room? I take you out of the lack of response that everybody in this room is content with where you're at in God. So you may be out and you can look at me, uh, congregation. You can look this way. But those of you that are watching by streaming, there may be some of you. That need the Lord in your life. You need the Lord working in your life. Let me tell you. If I need to borrow some money, I'm not gonna go, I'm not gonna go to somebody that I don't think has it. I'm gonna go see Scott Brownie. If, if I need somebody to, if I need somebody to, to do some backhoe work for me, I'm not gonna go see AK. I'm gonna go find Derek Neal. He's got a brand new, back home there's a world out there that's looking and searching we need to be the people the family of God the church to provide the need this is what I want us to do in light of COVID I'm going to ask us to space out just a little bit but I'm going to invite you to come up front and let's enter into a season of prayer if you're comfortable if you're not comfortable with that you can pray from your seat but I don't ask us to come up and sort of spread ourselves out. For this morning, I want us to take just a moment and be the consumer. I want us to be the consumer and say, Lord, impart unto me your spirit. And then we're going to take that, we're going to take that moment, a few moments of time to be a consumer. And then we're going to say, Lord, in all of your marketing strategy. Open the doorway for me to be a distributor. Let me tell you, you're not going to have to look too far. There's people that I've known that's traveled all over the country selling stuff. But the market that we're in is right in front of us. That is the market of souls, kingdom purpose. So right now, I want you to join with me. And let's just pray. We can pray and ask the Lord to fill you with His Spirit right now. Fathers, we come to you today. Lord, we are a people... That take the time right now as consumers. Lord, we we consume upon ourselves your Spirit. Lord, right now today, Lord Jesus, we just believe that you are ministering and working in our lives, Lord God. Lord, we desire your Spirit. Not not for our gain, not for our well-being. But Lord, we desire your Spirit, Lord God, in order that we may impart it. And we may distribute it to whomsoever we can and will, Lord. I believe, Jesus, that today, Lord, you're doing some great and mighty things in our our lives. I believe that today, God, that you you are filling us with your Spirit. Renew your strength, Lord, in us, Lord Jesus. Lord, may our hearts, Lord, be given to your Word and to prayer. May our hearts be sensitive to your Holy Spirit. Lord, we come to You right now, consuming upon ourselves. We we desire to taste and see that You are good. We desire to drink from Your cup, Lord God. We desire today to be filled, Lord, with Your Spirit. And God, as much as You are filling us, Lord God, we just believe that today, that Lord, from out of us, from out of our innermost being, Lord, There are living, there is living waters, rivers of living water that will flow, Lord. May we, Lord, be distributors. May we find those that are laid at the gate, Lord God. Lame, blind, broken, deaf, Lord, dumb. Lord, may we find those, Lord God, that are holding out their cups. Lord, they're holding their signs. Lord, they're looking for help. God, may we take what we have and give it to somebody else. May we be a people to impart into the lives of those that are most in